And now, it's Pop Culture Shock with Ben Jammin and Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Shock with Ben Jammin. I am with my special host, two-time Emmy Award winner, Hollywood. How are you doing today, Hollywood? Excellent. It's a great day to watch a movie. It is. We are on episode four of the Pop Culture Shock. Uh, today we are going to talk about the Master of Horror, Stephen King, and then also we will go to the Monster Mash and uh, the second half and talk about our favorite uh, classic monster films. Don't forget to check out last episode was our throwback to Johnny Depp from 1984 to 1999. Uh, so you can catch all that on Spotify, you can catch it on um, Apple, Google, anywhere where you can find podcasts. Uh, obviously if you're listening to this right now, you've already found us, so thank you very much. Um, you can also check us out on Pop Culture Shock Facebook page. You can check us out on patreon.com forward slash pop culture shock, all one word. And you can sign up to be uh, in a tier, a dollar tier, five dollar tier, ten dollar tier to help support us. Uh, but through that Patreon, you can uh, check us out on Discord as well. And you can ask us questions, conversate with us as well. So before we get into our Stephen King Master of Horror, we will take a quick break and let you guys hear about this wonderful book written by Byron Brubaker. And we'll be back in a couple minutes. Be a time traveler. Travel from gravity to a trip to the moon and everywhere in between. Create your own adventure. Reading each movie review, start at the end or at the beginning. From George Millier's classic silent, A Trip to the Moon, will you choose Jason and the Argonauts, Monty Python and the Holy Grail? It's a mad, 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 mad world, blazing saddles. Or will you choose to jump to Avatar, Dances with Wolves, Stagecoach, The Poseidon Adventure? Read about movies. Watch movies. Enjoy your own adventure. 100 plus years of movies. Musings of a Flickster Super Reviewer by Byron Brubaker. On Amazon now. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for joining us here on Pop Culture Shock. All right, so we are going to dig into our topic. Our first topic is The Master of Horror uh, by Stephen King. And then, like I said, the second half will be The Monster Mash as we talk about our favorite universal classic monster movies. All right, so Stephen King, what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you my Don't Waste Your Time films. Now, Stephen King has a lot of films, a lot of good horror films, um, so too much that we didn't have time to review them all, obviously. But I'm going to give you my couple of Don't Even Bother, and that is 1983's Cujo and 1984's Firestarter with a very young Drew Barrymore. And then, me personally, I would also say Pet Cemetery, the original one from 1989. Pet I love Pet Cemetery, but we'll have to talk about that later. We'll have to talk about that. Now, Holly, was there any of yours that you would say, don't even bother, skip these? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wasted my time watching the movie Christine. <laughs> 
And, you know, I got a new car recently and I just thought it was funny. My mom was like, hey, did you see that movie? Because I was telling her about how my car, it's so great with like Apple CarPlay, um, that my car talks to me and everything. And she's like, oh, like that that movie, Christine. And so uh, so when we were going to do Stephen King movies, I'm like, oh, I'll try this movie. I got to, I had never seen it when I was younger. So, and it, it was, it, yeah, it does not stand the test of time. Well, that is funny because I actually, I, I don't mind Christine. I kind of used to enjoy it. I haven't seen it in a while, but I don't mind Christine, whereas you don't mind Pet Cemetery. So that's kind of yeah, funny. That's funny. From different perspectives, that is really funny. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't. I thought the main character, Arnie, was so annoying to me. On Christine. And yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. He was supposed to, you know, I, you're not supposed to like him because of the way his character turn, it turns obsessive, but it was just too much for me. I feel the same way about like Cujo I thought the, the young Danny Pintaro from Who's the Boss that kid was so whiny and just a crybaby and I just felt like yeah they were stuck in that car with this rabid dog for a very long time uh, and then Firestarter the very young <laughs> Drew Barrymore I tried to like it I just couldn't I mean she was whiny and I couldn't get into that either and that was the first time I saw Firestarter so I it doesn't hold up all these years later even though I am a huge Drew Barrymore fan <sighs> me too I me too agree with you <laughs> I liked her better in E.T. If we're going to go young Drew Barrymore, I'll watch her in E.T. Right. than uh, Firestarter. All right, so um, we'll go back and forth. Uh, do you want to start? What was your top Stephen King films that you, if everybody should check out? Gosh, it's, yeah, it's really difficult to have a top Stephen King movie because there are several that I love. The ones Of the ones that I went back and rewatched for this episode, um, so I went back and rewatched It, The Shining, uh, Pet Cemetery, and I wanted to watch the stand and misery mm. um, but I just didn't have enough time but those stand out in my in my head as like favorite films already the stand was more of a mini series than uh, just a film but misery and the stand have been favorites of mine for a long time just because you know Stephen King isn't only known for like m- his mystery and the more horror genre but he does have a lot of you know films that are non horror you know based so like misery had a lot of that the depth of the the dramatic character storylines coming together and then also crazy um kathy bates i'm sorry yes misery is one of my favorite kathy bates and james con and i mean that movie came out in 1990 directed by rob reiner that is like one of my all-time favorite uh, stephen king movies it's just so suspenseful it's like we had our daughter watch it for the very first time it It does and then the big moment yeah she had no idea what was going to happen and and it was just crazy to to watch my daughter react to uh, misery and like yeah the are you talking about the big climactic scene where with the uh, when she catches yeah him sneaking out with, with the ankle <laughs> she puts a board in between the ankles ladies and gentlemen if you haven't seen misery spoiler alert first of all go check it out it's one of the best but she catches him escaping out of his room when she's gone and so she puts a board in between his ankles and then she hits the ankles with like a sledgehammer or something totally breaks his ankles oh one of the craziest movie scenes ever it was just so i that's one of my all-time favorites i give that one a five-star rating i give that five stars absolutely i would give it five now you mentioned stephen king's it the other films yeah it so i went back and i watched the 2017 version because i hadn't seen okay um so the newest the newer version of it um i watched for the first time and then previously i've watched the older original version tim curry and Tim Curry is just 
phenomenal. He's yes. a genius. And, you know, that also had... Um, John Ritter. Ritter. I love John Ritter. Yeah. Like, Richard Thomas like a, from the Waltons. Cast. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, so that version of it would be really tough to beat. And especially, like, with the effects and stuff back then, you know, it was pretty, it holds up pretty well. It, like, still it does. It does. In that, you know, in the time period. So when, you, when it comes to the 2017 version, I really like the cast. I think it was actually a really great update for the, the effects for the way that the clown is just like with all the the effects the way he morphs and Pennywise yes other yeah the Pennywise character is <laughs> now think it has a Stranger Things uh, rip off to it it abs I absolutely could say that it has a little bit of a Stranger Things vibe it does which I love um, Stranger Things but so. Stranger Things has the vibe from you know like they when they were creating Stranger Things they were kind of having a throwback to the 80s kind of movies so I think that I think it's compliment to say that it's got Stranger Things vibes to it Uh, especially since Finn Wolford was actually in the cast and he's actually from Stranger Things, Things yeah. Um, now, I think Bill Skarsgård does a really good job as Pennywise. Not, I mean, Tim Curry is is iconic, but I think Bill. Yeah, uh, it's really hard to does compare a good job. them. Like, you don't want to compare them side by side, but like individually as that character, he did a great job too. I mean, yeah. he's definitely creepy and scary, and he's unrecognizable as himself. <laughs> is Pennywise? What would you give it a star rating? I think I would give it a maybe a three and a half. What do, what would you give it? The new one I'm talking about the new one the new one yeah four okay yeah three and a half to four like it was really enjoyable it wasn't my favorite but but I did enjoy it and I love like the visuals of the like the cinematography of this version of it was really enjoyable and fun to look at from a filmmaker's perspective that's true. And I really true. did love like the the scene with the little boat going down to the sewer right in the beginning, at the beginning and stuff. Yeah, like yes. all those are iconic. The visuals that you're still expecting to have are still there, and then they give you still some surprises to kind of update it. So it's really it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. How about that shot where you yeah. You enjoyed it with all of the balloons and then the balloons kind of like fly up and then you just see him him standing there. You see Pennywise standing oh, there with an yeah. evil grin. Um, oh, so creepy. That is and very still creepy. the iconic like the the um, where the balloon pops from the sink around the, the bathroom and it's blood everywhere. And yes. Like, that is just ooh, ooh. so gruesome yeah. and gross and and totally awesome for the movie. <laughs> yes, definitely. Check that one out, too. If you haven't seen a new one, check it out. Uh, they do a really good job. But if you haven't seen the old one, if you've seen a new one and haven't even seen the classic one with Tim Curry and John Ritter, yes. go check that one out, too. The original. It's very, very good. <laughs> yes. Now, I think the other one that we could definitely both agree on is a must-see is something that Stephen King didn't even want or didn't even like himself, and that's The Shining. Yeah. Jack Nicholson and oh. Shelley Duvall, directed by Stanley Kubrick. This is from 1980. I mean, this is a classic film. 
home. And I just read that Stephen King didn't even like the choices. He didn't like Jack Nicholson right. as, um, I think his name's Jack. Yeah. And, yeah. And he didn't like Shelley Duvall as, uh, you know, as her character as well. Yeah. He was actually not a fan of Stanley Kubrick's version of his story, which was really fascinating to me because, I mean, to not know that, like, I would have just thought Stephen King was a genius because of just all of the things that were in that film and how to this day there are scenes that you cannot get out of your head. You just right. know off the top of your head, red, rom, you know, like yep. that's here's that Johnny. Away. Here's Johnny. You yep. know, like just the running around in the ice and snow. The maze. Um, the maze. Like <sighs> <laughs> I can't do mazes. Like, I don't even know. That kid running around that in that snow crazy. blizzard maze. That's so creepy. Like, I wouldn't even yeah, try for, that. For, for all the things that he came up with, to, to not want to take credit for that, it, you know, I, I, it would be interesting to see. that. Were they redoing The Shining? Weren't they? I don't know. That was a, um, yeah, they did a sequel to it. Dr. Sleep. What they did recently was a sequel. Yes. Yeah. The kid's okay, all Dr. grown Sleep up. Dr. Sleep was, was more of a sequel. The character's yeah. grown up. Yeah. Okay. Because um, it would be interesting like if if it was something that he wasn't happy with i wonder right if there was you know a list of things that he would do in like to redo as stephen king you know well one of the things that, whatever the director's take is one of the things i saw in the article was that he was upset because he was saying that um jack nicholson's character or their whole fa- it's a loving family and then he starts to go crazy and i got and, you know in the movie they kind of make him crazy almost like right off the bat right off the bat yeah he already has sort of a distance from yeah the kids a bit or the yeah so here's a good question for you if they were to recast it who would be cast if Stephen King were to recast it if they if Stephen King came to you and said Holly I want you to recast uh, a brand new version of The Shining I mean who could play that Jack Nicholson character question Hmm. who could really bring it Russell Crowe you put me on the spot now (laughs) well you know what maybe we'll save that well that will be our homework we'll save that for our next episode we'll come back and uh We'll talk about who uh, who we yeah, recast in The Shining. Some of the movies that we talked about. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, did you have well, maybe a... even by the end of the episode once I've been like, oh yeah, yeah, that's I... pretty much it. Um, just just a note about Pet Cemetery real quick is that I remember that as a kid. Like as a kid, I remember that I had seen Pet Cemetery. So I remember the cat coming back to life. Yes. Yes. But what I did not remember when I rewatched Pet Cemetery, the original old one, I did not remember the ending being so. So horrible or so gruesome. Like right. A, a very gruesome ending. This is the old one. Uh, the old um, one you're talking and, about. Yeah. The yes. old one, original. And and both actually still pretty much have a similar very, very end of it, you know, with, um, you know, death <laughs> in the end for, but is it death, you know, um, mm. for characters. But like as a kid, I just remember like the pet being dead and coming back to life. I don't remember the, the human parts of it that like really got like even more dark and and crazy and gruesome but then i went back and i did watch the newer version that just came back um that came out in 2019 and there was a part of that film like, i remember like when i were talking about pet cemetery what was the thing you were saying like about the original the thing i was mad about was how the guy like let his son just the baby, the baby just mm-hmm. run off into the street where all these like semi trucks are just flying by and then flying obviously by. the baby you know sometimes happens to the baby and I was like I was like how could you let that happen like 
how could you not even be paying attention to your son and have him run into the street? So I was a little right. upset about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that it was like it's a pivotal part of the plot for that to happen. Um, but it felt a little forced and not really realistic in the original film. But um, and I think that the the creators of the 2019 version of Pet Cemetery really actually took a deep look on that scene and shifted it around with who is where in that scene and who ultimately ends up, you know, getting hurt. And I think that the way that they did it with 2019 was way better. So they did make it feel a little more believable. They did make it still very, very creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And it was still enjoyable. And, you know, the newer version has John Lithgow. So love him. um, I love him. Yeah. So you you have to be, you know, enjoying that. And well, and he plays the um, neighbor. And just the right he plays the neighbor okay which is you know the character that introduces the family to the pet cemetery so right so it's it, it, but he brings a little different take to the character than the original and um it was really enjoyable so you know for a horror movie right so uh, the funny connection is is the original old crusty neighbor guy was fred gwynn who was herman munster in the munster's uh, TV show, but also was yeah. Harry and Harry and Hendersons. Well, who was yeah. with him and Harry and Hendersons? But John Lithgow. Isn't that so funny? Oh, yeah. So that that's a funny. good little connection there. Um, but that Fred Gwynn did an awesome job uh, as yeah. the crusty oh. old neighbor guy. He was tremendous. That was one of my favorite parts of that original Pet Cemetery. was the neighbor. Um, I will have to check out the second the second one or the newer one. Yeah, um, the more recent version. Not it's Pet Cemetery 2. I'm not talking about that one with Edward Not Furlong. Pet Cemetery 2. No, no, no I'm no, talking no. about the remake. <laughs> the remake of from 2019. So I haven't seen it, but what would you rank the uh the new Pet Cemetery then? How many what how many stars? It's okay. So for the genre, it is what it is because normally I would probably give it even lower score because it's not my favorite kind of movie. Okay. But, but being Stephen King, being like what they did bring to it and compared to the original, I would still say maybe three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Not too bad. Out of out of five. Yeah. Three three to three and a half. Maybe it's only because I like the cat that they that they used for Pet Cemetery this one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you mentioned The Stand earlier. Now, that one came out in 1994, and that was kind of like a TV miniseries. I think it was like three or four episodes, but it had Gary Sinise and Molly Ringwald. Well, like you Mm -hmm. said, there's going to be a brand new one coming out on Thursday, December 17th. Oh, soon. With James Marsden. So that one should be really good. We'll have to try to... I'm really looking forward to that. With Whoopi Goldberg as well. Yes, Whoopi Goldberg. Come on. Come on. Whoopi's still doing some stuff? Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, it's it's just, you got to say, like, for the time period that we're living in right now, it is, <laughs> it's just spot on for just with the pandemic and everything right. and how I just remember the scenes from the stand, you know, way back and imagining what it would be like with a, a pandemic, never, ever thinking that we would actually be living through one. And, and here we are. <laughs> I know it's crazy. That will have to be one that we'll have to uh, watch and review and, and, uh, get our feelings on Follow that up with later. all right so do you have anything else uh about the stephen king um so if everybody was following along we gave thumbs down to cujo firestarter and christine but we gave thumbs up to pet cemetery misery stephen king's it both versions and then the shining and then you mm-hmm. mentioned the stand as well for people to check out yeah all right do you have anything else for uh that has to do with stephen king films just in general it was just a 
real, it was a nice trip down memory lane to go back and watch some of the films that were Stephen King films from when I was a teenager mm. and in college and just how I was inspired by so many of the films that were Stephen King films. And that's, you know, part of my trajectory in getting into this career is by seeing some of this, you know, just the way the stories are told and everything. So not to get too warm and fuzzy about it, but like I really have to like toss it to the reason why I'm even able to, you know, sit here and talk about movies is maybe because of some of these Stephen King films that I saw when I was, you know, a teenager. And I swear, like, almost every time there was a Stephen King film on, like, most of the time there were always, like, three or four episodes. Like, it was like a miniseries. It was a, it was an event. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it was an the, event. The Stand or, or The yeah. Langoliers mm -hmm. or Storm of the Century or it was always, like, mm -hmm. a Stephen King event, you know? And so, mm -hmm. now, and I know, ladies and gentlemen, there's probably some that we've missed. Like, ever, there's, there's a lot. So like, many. Carrie is huge and iconic. Uh, we didn't have time to talk about, you know, there's some other ones that we've watched that, but we will do another Stephen King podcast episode where we will talk about maybe some of his other films that are not necessarily horror films, but like Shawshank Redemption and Stand By Me and The Green Mile and stuff like that. Other awesome classic uh, Stephen King films. So that will definitely come up in a future episode. All right. So we will talk a little bit more about Stephen King a little bit later in our sizzles and our fizzles, uh, but Right now, we're going to transition to our Monster Mash part of the podcast. So we are going to go down Monster memory lane. Mash. <laughs> it's a graveyard smash. And we are going to talk about some of the classic Universal Studios type monsters. We're going to talk about... And I went old school. She original. went really old school. <laughs> but we're going to talk about like the main five, at least a little bit about the main five, and that's Frankenstein, Dracula, the Mummy, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, and the Wolfman. We'll talk about them a little bit. Okay, so do you want to start us off? How about you give us one movie that you reviewed, and then I'll, I'll give you a movie that I reviewed. Okay, well, let's start off with Frankenstein. Okay. It's always he's like the most iconic say Halloween monsters or yes. any of the, you know, monsters in general from Universal, you're thinking probably Frankenstein. So you're you're actually thinking of Frankenstein's monster, not yes. Frankenstein, because that's Dr. Frankenstein. That's Doctor or Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> and actually that's that you meant that because um that that is a take from young Frankenstein, the actual Mel Brooks movie. Um, so part of my review is the fact that I had seen Young Frankenstein a lot in my life. My husband loves that movie. We've seen it several times. And in so many scenes in that film, I just didn't have as much context for until recently when I went back and I watched this original Frankenstein film from 1931 with Boris Karloff. His name was like right there. <laughs> Boris Karloff as the original. You know, he's the face of the original Frankenstein's monster that you that you see and that you are aware of and where all of the other iterations most come from as far as the visuals whenever you see any of subsequent Frankenstein films. He's the most and famous one. He's yeah. The most famous one. And and so to see some of the scenes from this 1931 film, I'm like, oh, that's why that joke is in there. Oh, okay. For example, for example the big knockers. 
Yes. <laughs> when there's the, the giant doors with the big, like, in the yeah. original 1931 film, the doors are huge with these big... Knockers, like, knockers okay. ...on the door. And um, and the the Igor is not the Igor character. He's actually named something else. I think. Fritz. Fritz. <laughs> is actually is the Igor character. But, um, but still, there are some of the things that that character does that you're like, oh, that's where they get it from, or that's why they were playing on that the role. So Awesome. D- Boris Karloff, do you think he's the best Frankenstein ever? No, actually. I mean, it's really hard to go back to the movies that were the very first of. Yeah, he's the originator. Him too. Exactly, because, of course, he's awesome in, you know, what it was for what it was <laughs> within right. the storyline within what within the resources and tools that they had in 1931 to come right. come up with this film it was great it was phenomenal like it was you know something that was terrifying the audiences of the time it so that you cannot take away from it but at the same time my favorite <laughs> Frankenstein is actually Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> because he's, you know this character is so iconic there have been so many iterations of this storyline and then so many iterations of you know of ways that the story is even told so i saw um the live play version of frankenstein oh with, with benedict, benedict cumberbatch. cumberbatch oh that's yeah. awesome it was in the movie theaters you know how they do those plays yeah. in the movie theaters so you you'd still get like a movie ticket but it was like a live play of yeah it. and and so he was my favorite frankenstein if you're asking about that that is awesome <laughs> i love benedict cumberbatch so but- that'd be cool to see him as frankenstein okay um well I also got to watch a Frankenstein. It was Mary uh-huh. Shelley's Frankenstein from 1994. Uh, it was yes. directed and starring Kenneth Branagh. Uh, it had Robert De Niro as Frankenstein's monster. So a young that was Helena. De Niro in that role. Yes. Oh my word. Helena Bottom Carter. Yeah, I, I love her. And then it also had some other, you know, some familiar names. Um, Tom Hulse, who was in Amadeus. Uh, Aiden Quinn from your Benny and June film yes. that you love. And then um, Ian Holm, <laughs> who is uh, Bilbo Baggins and all the Lord of the Rings films. So... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Robert De Niro as Frankenstein, it just didn't do it for me. I, I, I couldn't get into it. He didn't... He looked creepy, but he didn't look mm-hmm. like frankenstein like he looked like he was like a an experiment or a monster yes but he didn't look like frankenstein and i love robert de niro i mean we could do a podcast just on robert de niro films but just (laughs) but i didn't like him as this frankenstein i i liked kenneth branagh when you even think of robert de niro he's not known for playing frankenstein's monster right for other roles so there you go (laughs) right and then and i i liked kenneth branagh and i liked uh helena bonham carter but just i i couldn't get into it I didn't. Uh, I didn't like Robert De Niro as Frankenstein, so I would give that one were a thumbs familiar, down. <laughs> were you familiar with the story of like the Frank? The because you'd seen Young Frankenstein before, right? Correct. Had, yeah. Had oh, I love Young Frankenstein. The actual other Frankenstein story. So you're already familiar with like kind of a really basic storyline. Yeah. You know, as far as like, okay, Doctor Frankenstein is working on you know getting gray figures to get him his these bodies so he can reanimate these dead bodies and. And so not, not much really changes about that other than, like, oh, the different iterations of the stories after that, right. that they come up with, like, Bride of Frankenstein right. um, and, and subsequent so many, so many sequels that. But it's it's not like we can get back to be really have a deep, like, plot and, like, all of that. 
like so many of the right. movies you can't really pull that much out of these monsters because you know they have much of a character arc <laughs> right <laughs> especially his character because so, he's just like a yeah. glorified mummy walking around like he does you know what i mean like yeah. he's just like Basically. undead or whatever all right what was your second uh monster mash film that you got to watch so i did watch creature from black lagoon Okay, what year was that from? This one was from 1954. You went all and you went all black so, and white on me, didn't you? You went all I black did. and I, old I school. I went all black and white. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Universal monster. That's so true. I, That's true. I took it as as the original ones, and um, so it was fun. We found our DVR actually because it does happen to be the time when a lot of the TV shows playing uh, these old movies and the different uh, horror movies and things. Right. Um, I was able to to see Creature from the Black Lagoon, and I I was pleasantly surprised because I had seen this movie before. I had seen like clips from it or whatever because um, I knew what the monster looked like. But other than that, um, I kind of went into it like just like, oh, what's going on? And it was, it almost reminded me of, um, it's right there. Swamp Thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh my gosh, King Kong! It reminded me. Oh, King me Kong. Of okay. Basic, like the basic storyline of King Kong, where um, where they go looking for the monster, but the monster is just really interested in the pretty girl. That's basically it. Mm. <laughs> you know. That's, Isn't that, that every classic story. monster movie? They're always interested in the pretty girl. They just want a pretty girl. He's right. Everybody wants the pretty girl. So, um, but it was it was fun. Like the underwater scenes was very enjoyable for me to see from that time period how they were making some of that happen and it's actually really interesting to find out because you know how they um, i think it was turner classic movies that i saw on and they always have you know some plays at the end sometimes and they talk about the characters and the actors and it was interesting that the the guy so two different people played the creature Okay. One played creature out out of water, and one the creature actually underwater, and and as the creature underwater, it was um I'm trying to remember his name. Look this up before the gill man in water <laughs> is Rico Browning was his name. Okay. But, but what's really cool is that he was he was a diver and he I think he had an Olympic award or something. And and so he he was actually underwater holding his breath for a very long time. Like he was a trained diver to do just the underwater scenes parts of that, of that movie, so that they could get longer scenes of the of the monster doing what he's you know with the creature. And that actually turned out that was his first role to be an underwater character. And then it turned into a stunt career for him where he was doing a lot of um, different um, underwater activities. And he was, it looks like he was on Flipper for a long time. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, so it was, that was just an interesting little tidbit that I found out, like after watching that film, that it was, it's interesting that because at least with the creature from the, the Black Lagoon, you've got the water elements and then mm. he's out of water and 
on land and um, going back and forth. So it was, that was just really neat. And in general, I, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised because I, I didn't really know that much about this character of all the monsters. He's the right. one I've never really seen much of. And the only other connection even to this monster is the fact that I saw um, the movie a couple years ago. The creature from the Black Lagoon. He based his movie off of the shape of water. The shape of water. Guillermo del Toro. The only time I had even really heard that much from about the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. So seeing that film, I was like, ah, I, I wasn't even a fan of that film, though. I was kind of like, uh... I didn't get it <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but I actually... I. And that's kind of why I didn't really think I was going to like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, but, you know, from being a 1950s movie, if you watch it from the perspective of, like, if I were watching this in the 1950s. Right, right. And, and if I had, you know, really been really into watching the kind of storyline back then was new and never heard of. And... It was really cool how the hand just goes up and it creeps into the shots and you're like it really built really good suspense for you know for what so I enjoyed it. Give it well, a three. We were <laughs> we were talking about it earlier and we you know, we both agreed that it doesn't get as much love as it doesn't as the other four, the mummy, the wolfman, Dracula and Frankenstein. Um, right. It absolutely it never really even heard that much about it. Right. Exactly. Okay, so the second film that I got to review was from 1992. It was Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, an amazing director. Uh, starred Gary Oldman, Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, and Carrie Elways. So I watched this again. I saw it a long time ago, and I see you have a copy of it uh, that you're showing me right now. <laughs> I'm looking... <laughs> um, I, I saw this when it came out a long time ago. Like I said, it came out in 1992. And uh -huh. then I watched it again this past weekend, and I'm trying to get into it. And I was like, some a lot of these effects were so cheesy. For some reason, I, I'm like, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, and I love them both to death, but they just seemed mm -hmm. so out of place in that film. Now, now as I'm watching this... Back to the original, like it goes it does. back to that Dracula storyline. It does. Where it's like sometimes there's just something you can do about the plot that's already been written, right? <laughs> like as much as you wanted to. And I, I, en I enjoyed Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins. I love both of them, um, and they did an amazing job. I just. You know, at that time, 1992, they probably were like, wow, we got Keanu Reeves and we got Winona Ryder, you know, who who had a f tons of hits in the 80s and were becoming stars. And they were like, so it was probably awesome that they were able to get those two. But watching it now and knowing like the Matrix movies and Speed and John Wick and what she's doing with Stranger Things and, and some and it's just like it's weird to just see them in that movie. Does in that make sense? For sure. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. And some of the effects well, were so cheesy. Some of the, the effects. It, the cheesiness 
what it reminds me of because I've seen that film not like in recent times, but I've yeah. seen this film before, and I just remember it's that same kind of feeling I had when I think I was telling you about Johnny Depp in The Ninth Gate and how oh, it's yes. really cheesy seduction, like the way that like with Francis Ford Coppola and his style where they try to make the romance more almost like well because it is almost supernatural like supernatural romance or right or like demonic demonic and all of that like the cursory stuff that goes into you know these monsters have this effect on people and so it like turns you into like oh i can't control myself and like and it just takes the cheese level up so high <laughs> oh my goodness and 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 I'm like looking at Gary Oldman, and I'm like at who who was Dracula, and I'm like it looks like he has yeah. a butt on his head. It looks like he has a big butt. <laughs> yes, on the his way head. That the, yes. the way that they put the widow's peak on his right, on his and I couldn't head. stop yes. thinking that that was just a big tush on the top of his head. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I couldn't get into yeah. it. Um, yeah. I probably, if I had to rank it, I would give it maybe a two i just i mm-hmm. i wasn't a big fan of it i probably actually enjoyed yeah. frankenstein more than the dracula one but that's just my take other people might yeah. truly like it but i just i couldn't get into it i couldn't i couldn't follow it it was just like that's that's part of the dracula storyline when he's you know he romances and it turns i mean it's I don't know if I if if there's any of the Dracula movies that I've ever seen where I am like 100% I love this film. Right. Because unless it's like an actual vampire film which is different, you know. Yes, but yes. The actual Dracula storyline, I have seen several different Dracula uh, films, even the original Nosferatu that was a silent film. Classic, era, classic. And very classic and the other Draculas. It just that storyline for me just doesn't do it and it's it's probably my take as a woman as well being you know because i you know i i, I do veer uh, since i am a woman in a male dominated environment <laughs> i have my own like my own feelings about you know being a lady and and how you know how we're treated or how um, we're expected to be a certain way and stuff and how and, and i don't know and I, just with the the vampire storylines with dracula are always you know, this young ingenue and, you know, beauty right. And, right. and like romance and, um, and there could be so much more to it and that's all. <laughs> right. And it, I, maybe I am comparing it to other vampire movies that I thoroughly enjoy a lot more, like, you know, interview right. with a vampire and then lost so boys many. from the eighties and, mm-hmm. um, even like from dusk till dawn and stuff like that. I enjoy those, yeah. but I just can't get into the Dracula thing. Yes. Um, the Dracula storyline is it's still pretty like like all the monsters it's all very pretty simplistic yeah. and the plot is what it is they just so. want a pretty girl just get them the pretty girl all right Isn't what was it your... a little ironic that they're <laughs> right. actually monsters then <laughs> right right because <laughs> that's all they want <laughs> no um, what's your so next the one? Other one so the mummy um, I okay. went back and saw the original mummy. So you're not Which, talking uh, the new Tom Cruise one that just t- came out or the no, Brandon Fraser one from the no. 90s, right? Okay, so Brandon Fraser one I did see, <laughs> and I really actually enjoyed that one. Right. Like, I loved that, The Mummy. That's that's the only Mummy movie that I 
even had context about yeah. before going back and seeing this original 1930 The Mummy with Bar- with Boris Karloff. Oh, okay. Another so, Boris Karloff. There we go. Yeah. Boris Karloff was um, the original Mummy beca- before, before the other um, actor took over to become the Mummy. Um, and... I should actually have my husband on talking about, like, because he knows all of the right. different actors who have played all the different versions of all the different monsters. But um, but I will just say this was interesting to see the the way that the mummy character is just like the other monsters, like we said. He his whole reason for trying to for trying to come alive and and um and exist now was to bring back his princess oh (laughs) there you go there you go what's the common connection we got a theme going on here (laughs) he had to he had to bring back his princess so um but he it, it this i think had a really good um sense of the mystery of the beginning like okay they're opening the scrolls and like dun 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 you know what's gonna happen you know this is this is scary or whatever and the and the mummy in this storyline the mummy is living amongst them but he just has really dry skin and he doesn't look like what we picture as a mummy okay like he doesn't have the strips of cloth around him. Like, there's only one shot in the film where he has the strips of cloth around him at the very beginning when he just comes out of the tomb once the like the scroll has been read or whatever. Right. And um, so then he looks just like a, a regular guy, only very Boris Karloff. Okay, so yeah. he still is very creepy man. <laughs> <laughs> very tall and creepy and... You know, with like super dry skin, like like wrinkly, weird, but enough to pass as a human, I guess. <laughs> um, but he, you know, then kind of puts a, a curse on a woman of the time period, and to try to get her body to put his princess mummy um, spirit into, and um, and so it was it was enjoyable from the fact of it was a the story I was not as familiar with the story um, of this mom- monster, so that was just a little more enjoyable. Um, and it was a lot of, you know, with black and white movies, there was a lot of standing around talking. Yeah. And then standing around talking, and then, you know. Let me guess. Standing again. around okay, and talking? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but once they got in, showed like some parts of it, like there was, there was enough, you know, to, to bring the story along. And it was, it was really good. I mean, for these, for these monsters, you know, back then, this would have been like so cool to watch when it first came out and be of that time period watching it and just being like, oh my gosh, it comes to life. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, for, I mean, these universal m- monsters are, still around to this day for a reason because right. they do they do hit home they do have something that connects people to want to look at them or feel for them in some way you know yeah they they have 
stood the test of time, you could almost say, because... They have, because, yeah, there have been so many iterations of them. And if if you hadn't had these original ones right. be so iconic, then they wouldn't be remembered enough to want to be tried again to do these different sequels and all of the different versions of these films. Right, and then we wouldn't have gotten, like, a Michael J. Fox Teen Wolf... Like in the eighties, right? <laughs> um, but uh, but some of the yeah some of these I mean like even like um, there's Mel Brooks uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It and then there's mm-hmm. some of them were even made into comedies you know like Young Frankenstein as well yes. which is um, probably the most iconic monster comedy of, I, all of, them. of all of them but um, yeah and you know them. what. Love it. I'm sure pretty soon we'll get another Frankenstein and we'll get another Dracula and we'll get another, you know, uh, the mummy and Wolfman. But who knows if we'll ever get another creature from the Black Lagoon because that always seems to be the forgotten one. <laughs> it um, is the forgotten one. I wonder if there, if anybody else is developing more about that. I mean, the, the Shape of Water was an okay movie. I mean, it was obviously up for <laughs> Oscars. An, an award. Yeah. It, it yeah. was up for an Oscar. But, um, yeah, I, I would hope that someone could develop it without, I don't know, develop the character a little more in a different way. I don't know. But then I guess that's, <laughs> that's me just saying, do these monsters have to have a pretty girl every time? Can they just be interested in, like, I don't know, food? Right, <laughs> I don't right. Know. Well, I guess, well, like zombies, you know, typically they're, they're you know, interested in brains or something, right? Right. True. <laughs> And Dracula's blood and, and these <laughs> monsters. Um, okay, so when we were talking <laughs> about doing this episode, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna so I'll, I'll let Holly go back to the the black and white films, the classics of the 30s and 40s and 50s. I'm gonna kind of stay right. a little closer to home, and I'm gonna do the 80s and the 90s. And yeah. so I went back to the cult. 80s classic film called The Monster Squad from 1987. Yeah. Directed by Fred Decker. I had to actually look him up to see what else he's done. He did like the RoboCop films and stuff like that. Um, I looked at the cast. I'm sitting here watching this and I haven't seen it since I was like a kid. And I'm all about like the Goonies and I'm all about like Stand By Me and stuff like this. But usually at, when you have these films from the 80s and you have kids or teenagers usually at least one of them grows up to be a major star and i couldn't find anybody in the monster squad film that is like even actually has a career going on yes um the only person that i recognize is she's the mom of the of a couple of the kids and her name was mary ellen trainer she passed away in 2015 but she was not only the mom in the Monster Squad, but she's also the mom to Sean Astin in The Goonies. So she actually got to be oh. in both of those. And then mm-hmm. I, I dug a little deeper into her career because she looks so familiar to me. She's also the psychiatrist lady in the Lethal Weapon films. And then <laughs> and then she's also in the Die Hard film. So she's in Lethal Weapons oh, and the Die Hards, too. Um <laughs> And then she was also, like, a cop in the Back to the Future, uh, the second one. And then she was in the second Ghostbusters and Scrooged with Bill Murray. So she was in a lot of classic 80s films. 
Yes, and I love how you like you can see like a random face in a movie. And yes, then you cannot get them out of your mind until you go and look up what right. other movies they were in because they're like, I know that face. I know that somewhere. lady. What was that? How do I know this lady? And I don't know her name. Yeah. She's one of those character actors that probably didn't yes, get smaller parts. Yes, and probably didn't get the credit that she deserved. But I'm like, she's literally in The Goonies and The Monster Squad and Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. She's in all of these classic 80s films. Um, but she's one of those um, that if you looked her up or saw her face, then you would be like, oh, yeah, I recognize that lady. So it was, it was just kind of fun. But The Monster Squad, I mean, basically it's a group of kids that are are brought together to fight all five of these universal monsters that all come back to life. It's Dracula and Frankenstein and the mummy and the creature from the Black Lagoon and the Wolfman. And um, it's got a cult following. People love it that grew up in the 80s like us. But I'm watching yeah. it and I'm like, uh, okay. I, I kind of remember it. I'm like... <laughs> I, I don't know, because I, I, maybe in my own mind, I'm I comparing it. I don't really it, remember this film. I don't, yeah. In my mind, I'm comparing it to The Goonies, or I'm comparing it to Stand By Me, which I yeah. love, but I, mm -hmm. it just, it's... Another Stephen King. <laughs> another Stephen King, yeah. Um, but The Monster <laughs> Squad, I, I don't know. If I were to rank it, I would probably give it a three, I guess, because at least I had a lot of action. It, you get to see all five of the monsters, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and so it was a lot of fun, but... It's one of those, like, okay, I watched it. All right. Um, you know what? It's, yeah, what's it's, next? What's right. Next to watch again? Right. All right. Did you, have a, did you have another one? I think we both have, like, the same one that we absolutely love. Yeah. And that is Young Frankenstein. Um, obviously, Young Frankenstein. 1974, directed by Mel Brooks, uh, starring Gene Wilder, Madeline Kahn, Terry Garr, Peter Boyle, Cloris Leachman. I swear, most of that cast is not even with us anymore. Like, yeah. at least half of them have passed away. I know Gene Wilder, Madeline mm -hmm. Kahn, and Peter Boyle. I think, uh, I think Terry Garr and Cloris Leachman are still alive. Um, but, mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, what can you say about that? I mean, that's a classic film. Um, so classic. So funny. Even the jokes, like, you know, some some of the Mel Brooks stuff, like, we'll talk about later probably, but, like... Future episode! And other, and other, and some movies that are, that are comedies and they're funny for the time, sometimes they can't be, they're not funny anymore past a certain time. Right, but right. this film... You can always still laugh at it and find a way that it's not, you know, it's, you know, some films can get offensive or be like, oh, gosh, those are really cringy jokes. Yes, but, yes. you know, watching this again, you're like, oh, my God, this is so funny. I enjoy it every time we watch it. And I think we're going to sit every down time. and have my daughter watch it with us. Um, and I think she would yes. really enjoy it. Um, yes, definitely. But that's one of our that's one of our classic favorites. I automatically if, if we're gonna give it a ranking or stars, I would definitely give it a five star. One of the five, one of the best sure. comic comedies. Um, but we're not gonna go too much into detail about that, ladies and gentlemen, because our very next episode um, on pop culture shock Drum we roll. we have decided <laughs> that we are gonna do all about Mel Brooks. So we're gonna talk about Young Mel Frankenstein. Uh, we'll talk about some of his other classic films, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, The Producers, 
Um, so that will be our very next episode of Pop Culture Shock. Now, uh, I think we are done with our Monster Mash, or did you have anything else, Holly? No, that's good. Let's do some Monster right. Mash candy time. Well, hold on. Let's do our sizzles and fizzles. Oh. Okay, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll go back and we got any sizzles or fizzles that you have from the Master of Horror, Stephen King, or from the Monster Mash uh, films that we got to watch. Um, Holly, I'll let you go first. Do you have, um, you want to do sizzles or fizzles first? Okay, sizzles. Let's do sizzles. sizzles. Okay. Okay. Um, I did think of a sizzle just because of um, looking back at The Shining and um, as a kid. So it's a little story about about how Stephen King had something to do with my childhood, and it's a really random memory for me. Okay. Which is that, that scene in The Shining when... He, when Jack is outside going through the ice and the snow or whatever. Okay. Well, we're from Ohio. and We are from Ohio. We, <laughs> and we would always have a lot of snow as kids. And we, we would dig out and make little tunnels in the snow. And, and we would, you know, me and my siblings would follow each other around <laughs> like that movie. And it's so funny to me to think back and go, that was so creepy. <laughs> Why were we doing Were that? you running around with an axe? It would be really fun. Were you running no around? Axes, Here's Holly. Here's Johnny. <laughs> Here's Holly. That would be really creepy. That would be very creepy. Like, you know, like just came back and I'm like, you know what? That is a sizzle though, because like there are some moments from, from your childhood that you just, that it, it's just great to like think back about like how a movie would have like, singed itself into your brain so right. much that it became like some parts of your, you know, behavior and stuff. So just, that's my sizzle. <laughs> okay. Um, I, my Same sizzle time. was, I, and I'm kind of with you just like going back and rewatching, uh, misery and Stephen King's it and the shining. I mean, it's so good. It's so gripping. And so some of it's like terrifying, uh, a lot of you don't know what's going to happen. And even like mm -hmm. it's been so long since you watch it. You're like, oh, I remember that part. Or, you yes. know, and it's just um, I, I really enjoyed this, the time that we got to watch the Stephen King films. I do uh, wish that I would have. I made one mistake when doing this whole thing, and that was I, I wasted my time watching Drew Barrymore in Firestarter. <laughs> and and um, and then I wasted my time watching Cujo when I should have watched Carrie. Uh, I regret that now because I had Carrie to watch as well, and I just ran out of time. Um, but my sizzles was just—it's so much fun to go back and watch the Stephen King films. Um, yeah, that—that's my sizzle for Stephen King. Uh, and then I have a sizzle for the Monster Mash uh, films as well. Did you have anything for else for Stephen King or for the Monster Mash? Um, just my fizzle. Okay, what's your fizzle? Well, it was just the character of Arnie. Oh, from Christine. <laughs> I already from, from Christine. Christine. Right. That I already mentioned that I did not like that movie, but I just you know you mentioned the the films that you feel like you wasted time on. Yes. And, um, and for me, I I think that 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 character he was just so annoying, and I just did not like him. So yeah, and <laughs> that that's how fizzle. that's how I felt. My fizzle would be Drew Barrymore and uh, <laughs> from Firestarter and Danny Pintaro from Cujo. They <laughs> they were just too whiny. 
They were too. They, it was just annoying to me. I like it's one thing if you if you're writing a character to be annoying for a reason and you know and for karma to get them or something. You right. Know? But then sometimes sometimes you're towing that line of like, are they just bad or right? Or, you know, are they like a bad actor that they can't like bring some kind of something that still wants you to connect to them at some like some people are really good at acting those bad characters but these people not no no <laughs> not in these roles um, so anyways yeah my only other sizzle and i just thought of that thought of this before um we started but uh it's we're big into board games i know you guys love board games as well and i encourage everybody to go to your local target go to walmart well, Walmart kind of sucks with the board games, but Target and like Amazon, um, check out Horrified. Um, it's it's. Oh, is it a hor- board game? It is. It's from Ravensburger or Ravensburger. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Horrified: The Universal Monsters Board Game, and so you literally work as a team. You can play by oh, yourself. Thanks. You can play by yourself, or you can have up to five people. Uh, it takes about 60 minutes to play, but you literally have to try, like, if you and I were playing Holly, we would have to try to kill mm-hmm. whatever what two monsters. monsters? Yes, we have to kill either Frankenstein, oh, cool. we have to kill the Bride of Frankenstein, um, or Dracula, and then they have the Mummy, and they have Wolfman, and then they have the Creature from the Black Lagoon. So they have all... Oh my all, gosh, that's awesome! They have the Classic Five, and then they have the Bride of Frankenstein as well, but, um... So yeah, you work. It's a co-op game. You work together, uh-huh. and you got to try to kill them and save the townspeople uh, before they kill oh. you. So it's really oh, good. Cool. So that is my awesome. big sizzle. Um, could be an early Christmas That's gift, awesome. uh, but horrified <laughs> is the game. So you could probably find it at your local Target. Um, okay, so we are now going to go into our pop five, and our pop five this. Uh, episode as we are preparing for Halloween to come up is our favorite Halloween candy of all time. Candy! So if we just go back and forth, uh, I'll give you my number five. There's going to be a theme here for me. Uh, But my number five is just (laughs) the classic Milky Ways. I love love the caramel. I love the chocolate. So Milky Way is my number five. What's your uh, number five Halloween candy? Well, mine also has milk in the title, but <laughs> it's actually milk duds. Milk I love duds. milk duds. And when we would come back with our bags from trick-or-treating as kids, the milk duds were the one thing that I was like trading anything else for from my from my siblings. If they had a milk dud in their <laughs> in their bag, then I would trade whatever. You'd be they snatching wanted. them. <laughs> so that I could get the milk duds. Hey, I'll take those over Whoppers. At least you didn't say Whoppers, so. (laughs) I hate Whoppers. (laughs) Only from Burger King. That's it. Only from Burger King. Um, Okay, so my number four is uh, Kit Kat. Uh, I love Kit Kat. Break me off a piece of Kit Kat. Um, Kit Kat bar. (laughs) And now they even have some new flavors. There's apple pie Kit Kat bar. There's uh, birthday cake. Um, There's uh, mint chocolate. Mint chocolate. Oh. I'm like, welcome to the game, Kit Kat. What took you so long coming up with all these new flavors, man? I tell you what. Um, but yeah, that's my number four. What's yours? 
I see your Kit Kat, and I'm gonna raise you another. So I think we are we have developed two different themes here. Mine is all old school from like my memories of right, right Halloween and trick or treating. Mine so. is stuff that you can still get right now. Mine's stuff you can get right now. Yeah, <laughs> this is something that you probably can't find unless it's like uh, the special novel novelty candy stores. Um, but I loved those candy cigarettes. Yep, I, I knew was you were so gonna say that. With getting those candy cigarettes as a kid, you could pretend that you were smoking. I've never smoked in my life, <laughs> but when it was candy, I could pretend that I was because I right. always wanted to be an actress, anyways, and pretend I was cool. And if it's just the you know chalky candy that's just actually kind of gross, probably nowadays, if I would even try to to eat it. But the novelty of it, like I said, though, just, you know, I have a lot of memories of just like loving the candy cigarettes and playing with my friends and and my siblings and like pretending like we were cool. <laughs> Smoking Ch- cigarettes. Chasing them around <laughs> in an ice maze. Chasing them around in an ice maze with an axe smoking Chasing a cigarette. Chasing around in an ice maze with an axe smoking a cigarette and pretending I'm cool. Pre- oh, man. Because movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, those What's are those are really three? good. Oh. I always enjoyed those cigarettes. Those were really good. Um, my number three, I'm, I'm staying with the chocolate theme here. I'm going to go with Twix. And it doesn't matter if it's the left side. It doesn't matter if it's the right side. I'm all about the Twix. <laughs> all about it. I'm definitely seeing a theme with yours. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate, chocolate, yes. I love all kinds of sweets. So it's really hard for me to decide. But my next one is Blow Pops. Ooh. And not just the Blow Pops. It has to be the blue raspberry so that your mouth turns ah. blue. So, so that actually is a sucker and gum. So is that your number two and your number one? No, it's, <laughs> it's just one. It comes in one package. And you true. get double the fun from it. <laughs> that is true. That's that's true. Uh, yeah, blow pops. Those are so good. Um, I'm going to go with... And you can still find those today. You can. You can. I'm going to go with everybody's favorite, M&M's. I'm all about the M&M's. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's regular, if it's peanut, if it's peanut butter, if it's caramel, pretzel, uh, mint. Oh, they have the new fudge one. Oh, the fudge so ones good. are amazing the in the purple inside. bag. Mm. Yeah, fudge brownie. Oh. <laughs> I mean, now it's, you might be switching me over to the chocolate. See, see, come on over. It's 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 so bad. I even got all the bag colors memorized of what you know. I know the fudge ones are <laughs> purple ones? and pretzel yeah. are are blue and stuff like that. It's just funny, but I love M and M's. What's your number two? I do like a minute as well, um, but not on my list. Um, but what is on my list? Chocolate number two for me is Butterfinger. I love Butterfinger candy bar. Nice. Something about that, you know, it's different from the other ones because of the way that the peanut butter crispy things inside right. get stuck to your teeth and everything. <laughs> Just yeah. love it. As uh, Bart Simpson would say. Uh... Uh, what did he say? Uh, better not lay a finger on my butterfinger. That's what Bart Simpson right. used to say. Um, okay, yep. so I love butterfingers, and I love when my kids go trick-or-treating because they don't necessarily like the butterfingers, so Daddy gets mm-hmm. all the butterfingers, and I love it. Yeah, Mine, I love that. This is more of an acquired taste. 
It is. It is. I think it is. But it's it's like it's still chocolate and peanut butter. It's just as crunchy instead of, you know, chewy or whatever. I don't understand it, but I love it. Um, so my number one, and speaking of chocolate and peanut butter, it's got to be the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. But I, I can eat them any year, but I feel like every time there's a holiday, whether it's a Christmas tree, whether it's a pumpkin, whether it's an Easter egg or a Valentine's Day heart, for some reason, the holiday designs make the, the chocolate and peanut butter even much better. Fight me on it. Fight me on it. The peanut I butter. Not you <laughs> I, think I could. I could agree. I have tasted those beer, and I think. I think it might be something about the ridges of the regular, uh, Reese's. Maybe it's different because they're the ridges on the regular one, but then yeah. when they're in the different shapes, it's more like smooth, like flat, and smooth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so and maybe you get away. maybe you get a little bit more chocolate and peanut butter in each, you know, yeah. than you do just in a regular. Uh, peanut butter there cup. might be, yeah, the the ratio of peanut butter to chocolate in the holiday ones is a little better. Because <laughs> it's kind of funny, because even if the, the original ones, like the packages are still the same size, but I feel like when you open mm-hmm. it, the product is getting smaller. Does that make smaller. sense? Like the It absolutely <sighs> is, I think. Yeah. Drives me nuts. Okay, what's yep, your number one? They can, charge, they can charge more for it. Yeah. Um, okay, so my number one... Drum roll. Is because I love my husband and he's a nerd. I love nerd candy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> nerd, but but nerds nerds are my favorite. Nerds. Uh, as what, far as like Halloween candy. Little is, boxes. Like those are the other thing. The little boxes nerds were my other favorite thing to be training off. It was my milk duds and my nerds. Those are the two things that I could count on being mine at Halloween. Halloween because my siblings were were not like as obsessed with them as I was. Which flavor so, of nerds? I loved all of them. They have like that strawberry lemonade one is really cool. Ooh, but yes. the grape, the cherry, the strawberry. Um, yeah. How about the boxes that had two kinds in it, like a one on one each yeah, side? Yeah, and then you can mix them up or you yes. can share. I think they're to be to be shared, but you don't <clears throat> share them. You just eat them all. You don't know. No. <laughs> Um, my favorite thing a few a few years ago was going to the movie theaters and they would have the nerd ropes where it was like the ooh, yes, with yes. the nerds attached like the nerds are stuck to them so I would get those often because when I when I let myself have more of a sweet tooth nowadays I don't need much candy but when I when I did those were good <laughs> yeah nerds are the best so you really only had like one chocolate thing i think was your milk duds i had two chocolate oh two the butterfinger and butterfinger whereas i went yeah. straight chocolate i went all chocolate all chocolate um, all the time and normally i love chocolate i mean all of the things that you mentioned i would still eat <laughs> but i i go back and forth between candy candy and chocolate candy well so my my one that i would say i don't want at all would be Tootsie Rolls. Like, that is fake chocolate to me. I don't want anything near me that has to do with a Tootsie Roll. I don't want Tootsie Roll Pop. I don't want any Tootsie mm-hmm. Rolls at all. That's my anti-candy. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Like, if there's a Tootsie Roll around, I would eat it if I was like, oh, I need something sweet. And that's all there was. Like, you know, the deserted island thing. Like, oh, okay, right. I guess I'll eat it. But um, but my thing, the thing that I don't want anything 
to do with in my Halloween box would be sweeties. So the thing that the the type of candy that I do not want in my Halloween bag is Smarties. I cannot stand them. They look like little pills and they're just like little chalky like sugar and it's funny because I do like the little candy cigarettes, but they don't taste the same. They're totally different. Like that's a different kind of chalky consistency. Smarties are the worst. So you're okay with the cigarettes, you just don't want the pills. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's funny. I don't wanna be I don't wanna be pretending like I'm taking pills. Just pretend like I'm cool smoking. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, that was our pop five. That was Halloween candy edition. Um, Hope you so, enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and hopefully you'll be eating some candy while you're listening to us. Um, happy Halloween, everyone. Uh, have a great and safe Halloween out there. Now, our next episode, we told you a little bit ago, but we're going to um, dig into some Mel Brooks films. Uh, so we're going to go and look at some of his best uh, films, um, History of the World or Blazing Saddles. Uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Young Frankenstein, Spaceballs, The Producers, High Anxiety. So make sure you come back and listen to, uh, that will be our episode five of Pop Culture Shock. It will be all Mel Brooks edition. Um, Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Shock. And also you can go to patreon.com forward slash Pop Culture Shock. That's all one word. Uh, you can sign up for our tiers. We have a dollar tier, a three dollar tier, or I mean a five dollar tier, and a ten dollar tier. The one dollar tier gets you into the Discord chat room where you can talk to Holly and myself and ask us questions and be a part of the podcast. Um, the five dollar and ten dollar tiers also get you into the Discord chat room, but they will also get you a prize that we will ship out to uh, your house. So. If you are willing to support us, and um, then we will give a awesome gift, uh, pop culture related, uh, back to you. So, um, but other than that, I think we covered our Master of Horror, Stephen King. We covered our Monster Mash uh, films. Um, other than that, you can catch me on Twitter or Instagram at Ben Gavitt, uh, and then Holly. What about you? You can catch me on Instagram at Hollywood801. All right. So that is all for today. Uh, Catch us on episode five, all about Mel Brooks. We will see you later. Thanks, everybody. It's a great day to go watch a movie. Bye. Bye.